It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You've been listening to Sylvia Global with your host, Gail Sylvia. Become a subscriber to Sylvia Global for unique listener opportunities. Follow on Twitter and like them on Facebook. For more information, go to www.sylviaglobal.com. That's Sylvia, S-Y-L-V-I-A, Global, G-L-O-B-A-L.com. It's nice to hear your voice. We're listening to sylviaglobal.com, and here's our special guest, Cindy Perlman. How are you, Cindy? I am so good. How are you doing this morning? I'm so glad to be on the show. Oh, thanks. for. We always appreciate you being here, Cindy, and we're looking forward to expanding our conversations with you. Uh, Cindy, you're a new bride. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm I'm married um, about a week and a half now, and... You know what? I had to go on my first business trip last night as a married woman. I'm calling you guys from Los Angeles because oh. I I saw Twilight, Breaking Dawn Part 2, the last one last night, a big premiere for entertainment journalists, a very big deal to go see Twilight. We all had to wear wristbands to get in because they didn't want anybody infiltrating the special secret screening. And how was it? How was the experience? What do we have to look forward to, and what lessons can we learn from your experience last night? Well, I have to tell you guys the greatest story, because if this is not inspiring to anybody who's ever wanted to write a book, this is the story. And and I love this story, too. Many, many years ago, I was at one of these fancy-schmancy L.A. hotels, and I kept running into this woman who had this gigantic turquoise necklace on, and she was very just a regular looking woman maybe a size 12 or 14 in, in a sea of modelly looking LA people and and I ta- started talking to her because at the time I was living in Arizona and this was the kind of necklace you would find in Arizona all the time and I was like are you from Arizona and she said yeah we had a few little chats and then one of the publicists took me to a room to interview the woman who wrote the book Twilight and it was the turquoise necklace woman, oh. which was crazy. They brought her in, and they're like, here's Stephanie Meyer. She wrote Twilight. And, Gail, she was you. She was me. She was a mom. She was not some supermodel-y type of person. She was anybody who ever had a dream of doing something like a book. 
And she sat down, and of course I was like, you know, how did you think of vampires and all of this stuff? And two things that I hope inspires people today. Number one, she said, you know, one night I was sleeping and I had a dream, a very complete dream of this love story with a vampire. And she's like, I woke up and I thought, this is crazy. I'm not even into this kind of stuff. But I turned to my husband and I said, I'm going to write this book about a teenage vampire and I really need your help. We have had three young boys all under the age of five. And she was like, for a few hours a day or night, I want you to give me a block of time where every day, five days a week, I could write this book. And her husband said, yes, you know what, this is your dream, and I'll take care of the kids. You're going to lock yourself in the den, and you're going to do this. And first of all, awesome advice, I think. She didn't just sit there and say, I have a dream, and I'm going to get to it someday. That morning, she took real action. She said, I'm going to make a plan of how I could actually do this. And the first part for her was getting the time. And and it seemed crazy. I mean, can you imagine three little boys, young boys running around the house? How in the world are you going to write a book? But right. she was like, this is what I'm doing. Her husband cooperated. And she didn't have any big book deal, nothing. She didn't have an agent, nothing. And she got done with her book, and she sent it out to like 20 places. She went and got a book called The Writer's Market, and they have plenty of addresses in there where you can send books and try to sell books. She sent it to, like, 20 agents. She got, like, 14, 15 no's. She got some mean no's, too, saying, are you crazy? Nobody cares about vampires anymore. It's it's dated. It's stupid. No one's going to like this. A lot of the people she wrote to never even responded. She had one agent write back and say, I think this is a great idea. I love how you did this. Let me send it out. About a month later, she had a three-book deal to write the series that became Twilight. Oh, my God. Cindy, how often does this happen? You know, this this scenario of having a dream and whether it's literally, you know, a dream in the middle of the night or just a calling that comes to us frequently, and then the first part is we don't pay attention to it. And we don't make a real plan. I mean, she could have so easily have said, you know what, you know, when the kids get to school and when they're older, maybe I'll sit down and write this book, or maybe, you know, next summer when they're at camp I'll write the book. But she was like, no, I'm going to start my dream today. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. I'm not going to make 100 excuses. This starts now, and I need some help, which I thought that was also brilliant of her, too. She didn't do the superwoman thing. She said, I'm a busy, crazily busy mom. I need help. I need someone to help and take care of these boys at night and keep them quiet and come up with activities for them so I can do this for our family, which that takes a lot of guts, I think, to ask for help. Mm. What about the rejection piece, Cindy? You know, that's a part that a lot of us, you know, um, don't always have the stamina to to keep persevering through. It's it's so hard, and I'll tell you guys another part of her story. So she wrote these books. They came out, and it was like, you know, not that it wasn't a failure. It wasn't a huge success. At the same time, Paramount Pictures called up her agent and said, we want to option Twilight for a movie. But Paramount said, you know what, we're going to make a lot of changes. We're going to turn these vampires into soccer players, which what? is insane. They're going yeah. to be soccer-playing soccer vampires. 
And she was new at this. She said, okay, you know, I'm going to have a movie and I have to listen to you. You're the big company. I'm just a little person. So what they do with this kind of stuff is they pay you a little bit of money and they option your work. And Paramount optioned it. Nothing happened for like a year. They kept giving her a little bit of money every once in a while. The movie never happened. And then what happens is options run out. So then this little teeny company called Summit Entertainment came to her and said, you know what, we know your option ran out, but we would like to buy your work. We would like, And we're not going to turn them into crazy soccer players. We're going to be true to what you wanted, and we're also going to let you have some say in what happens. So she wrote a list of ten things that could never change in her Twilight books in the movie. Like, nobody could change her characters. No character could die without her saying okay. She had what she called it the manifesto. And she actually helped create Summit into the huge movie company it is today. I mean, these movies have made millions and millions versus billions of dollars, coming on billions of dollars. And I have to say, and I don't want to ruin anything for anybody seeing the movie, but there's a moment in the last movie where they actually show a page of the book. And I just thought, yay, you know, here's some mom who just had a dream. And five movies later, you know, they're showing an actual page of her book on the screen because that's what really started it all. Well, Cindy, you know, in a couple of weeks, you're going to be interviewing here on Sylvia Global, um, Ariana D. Harris. And her new book is Convergence Catalyst, Part 1, The Lost Soldier. And kind of a similar story. You know, I think we have um, these dreams within us. And she's a first-time published um, author. You can find her book on Amazon. And had this story within her. There's another person that's going to be joining you that day, Jennifer Nacal. And Jen Nacal um, has a story, you know, within her. And they want to talk with you about what you're sharing with the audience today. And that's how do we how do we get it out of us at each stage? You know, how do we keep going forward at each stage that leads up to that moment when they meet a Cindy Perlman on a press junket, you know, in there? Well, you know the crazy thing, Gail, and I've done this for so many years, and I personally love writing for teens myself. I started my career writing for teen girls at Seventeen Magazine. And I, I, he told me this story that I had a dream story, and I thought, well, that's nice. But the little teeny cynical part of me thought, well, it's kind of a great story. Maybe, you know, sometimes they make this stuff up for the press. So I thought, you know, I pretty much believe her, but I don't know. And then it actually happened to me. I was on a press, uh, I was interviewing Cher, which this sounds crazy too. I was interviewing Cher for the paper, and then I, I saw her movie, Burlesque, about two years ago. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had a dream of, of this teen story that had nothing to do with Cher, nothing to do with a musical called Burlesque. And I did. I popped out of bed at 3 in the morning, and the hotel I always stay at, they, uh, they have the greatest notepads. I'm always taking them home with me. They have, like, tons of notepads around the room. And I just got up at 3 in the morning, and I think when inspiration strikes, I just sat there and wrote, like, the first chapter of my teen book that I'm trying to sell right now. And I just, like, I mean, however long it took, and it was 3 in the morning, and it was crazy to get up, but I'm a huge believer in keeping a notepad by your bed because you never know when these kind of ideas are going to strike. Cindy, you went out a little bit. Um, I don't know what may have happened on 
you're in. You sound a little bit hollow. Repeat that for us, please. Yeah, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come back. Um, okay. There we go. That's, I have a new phone. That I'm the worst tech person ever. You guys, I just <laughs> tech thing. I mean, you might as well call Rain Man before you'd call me because I'm like not in this century of technology. Rain <laughs> Man, are you are you are you dating yourself? <laughs> I am the the you, Rain Man of technology. Twilight, Twilight on one hand, and one generation, and Rain Man. Oh my on the God! Other. My stepdaughter calls me a tech nerd because I just. Anything and it's so it's so confounding to me. I'm like, oh my god, what are all these buttons for? But but the point was, I I had a moment like that myself years after I talked to her, where I had this idea in this dream, and it really was true. And I just jumped out of bed, and I wrote it down, and I wrote the first chapter sitting there from like three to four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, I, I think some people with books think you have to torture yourself and sit in front of the computer and sit in an office and I really don't think so. I think if you just keep a notepad or a journal with you, you never really know when inspiration is going to strike. Are you talking to me about my our project? I, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to everybody. I think, you know, every single person has inspiration at different times. And, and you know, mine wasn't even convenient because I had taken a bunch of kids on a press junket. So when I got up at 3 in the morning to do my first chapter, I had kids sleeping all around this hotel suite, and I actually had to go hide out in the bathroom to do this so I didn't wake any of them up. And, and you know, I don't care if you have to sit literally on the toilet and write this, because I'll <laughs> tell you guys another great story, and this one I've always loved for 100 years. But I, as a celebrity reporter, I love interviewing Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone's like one of my favorites because he's a great, great storyteller. And he has the greatest story. I mean, when he sat down and had this inspiration to write Rocky, he was completely broke. He, His wife was pregnant, his first wife. They had that big dog that's in Rocky, and they had to give him away because they couldn't afford the dog food anymore. And he was really distraught about that. But he had this idea of a movie or book about a boxer, And they didn't even have anywhere for him to write it. They lived in this little, teeny, horrible apartment. So he actually moved stuff out of the closet, set up a chair facing his clothes, and sat and wrote Rocky in a weekend. In one weekend. Amazing. I mean, he wrote the script for Rocky in one weekend. And it was just a burst of inspiration. It hit him, and he knew, I have to do this. and, and, And he also really stayed true to his vision in other ways, too. They wanted to buy it from him, and he was like, only if I can star in it, star in the movie. And they said, are you crazy? You're you're not an actor. And he's like, I, I really am. Yeah. yeah, you're muffled a little bit. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. There and you go, there they, you go. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm not sure what... But they said, you know, you're not you're not an actor. And But he said, no, I want to star in this movie. And he held, he held his ground because his project meant so much to him. Well, Cindy, these are, um, you know, very common experiences where we think that once a person um, has made it to the very visible public, in front of the public's eyes, that it just happened overnight. But there are the private struggles, you know, these private parts of the story that are a part of bringing the story to life and the experience is the dream, you know, making the dream become reality. I know Elizabeth... Um, Gilbert 
had shared, you know, similar experiences around Eat, Pray, Love. You know, we have, I think there are many backstories to Many stories and many rejections. Like so many times the woman who wrote Twilight heard no or vampires are stupid. And the same thing with the Harry Potter author. Yeah. She she wrote that in a coffee shop and, turned, you know, sent it around. She heard a hundred times over, no one cares about wizards. Wizards are so old-fashioned. You know, no one's going to buy this. No one will like this. And one woman who was working literally in the basement at Scholastic Books said, no, I think you guys are wrong. People, kids are going to love wizards again. And she was the one who said we should buy this book. And she didn't have many offers on Harry Potter. She had one. And look at what that became. Yeah. Cindy, uh, any closing advice for, uh, I mean, you've given three very valuable tips. And um, and, and correct me if I have missed anything. Uh, You know, to take the dream and create a plan, you know, make a plan for having that dream become reality. The second tip I heard you give was um, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, when we need help and support to bring our dreams forward, um, ask for help. And then the third was persevere despite rejection. And that's so hard. I mean, as a writer, too, I know when it's your baby and your pet project, it's hard to hear, no, I don't like it, or... Sometimes editors will be very specific and say, I really don't like your character or I don't like this. But, you know, it's one person's opinion. Tomorrow somebody else will be like, I love it. So I think for all the people out there who always wanted to do a book, I love what Stephanie Myers did with Twilight. She didn't wait. She woke up from that dream and she said, I need an action plan. How am I going to make this happen? I got. I need some help. And, you know, then once she asked for help, then what was she going to say? Well, no, I don't really feel like doing it. I mean, her husband had the kids. He took them out of the house. She had to sit down and really do this. So I think asking for help is a good catalyst, too, because once you get the help, you know, you're not going to just sit there and watch The Real Housewives of the OC. You're going to sit there in front of your computer and say, okay, I should take a stab at this. So I, I, I just wish people would... Maybe get a little inspiration out of that. And whatever you want to do, start it today, not tomorrow. You also said, um, Cindy, which is you know very important in addition to what you just mentioned, and that's all. Uh, you know, Stephanie Myers had a manifesto. You know, I yeah. think that writing out our manifesto at the beginning and reviewing it throughout any process is a an underestimated. Um, you know, important part part of the process. Huge, huge. The rest of the Rocky story was originally a studio wanted to buy it from him for a few hundred thousand dollars and have Ryan O'Neill star as Rocky. Can you even wow. imagine? No. Yeah, wow. And this is a man who was broke with a baby coming, and he said no. And I think he ended up getting about $30,000 to sell the book and star in a little low-budget movie. But you know what? That was his manifesto. He held his ground. And look what that became. I mean, in the moment, it seemed like he was making a stupid decision financially. But, boy, I mean, that made up for itself bajillion-fold. Bajillion. Bajillion. Can you imagine if, if they would have done some stupid movie about soccer playing vampires just because that year soccer was kind of hot? That would have been a huge failure. She never would have been the success she is now. 
So I think ourselves. you know instinctually what is your what are your deal breakers? And I think sometimes hard as it is, in face of all the rejection, you have to stick to your manifesto. Oh, Cindy, one last question I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to respond to, and that is how does the current, you know, our access to self-publishing and electronics, just our whole technical resources, um, aid us in getting our stories out? Do you have any experiences related to self-publishing and technology? Definitely. It's really the wave of the future because, we can do a whole show on this too, Gail, but seriously, I mean, book companies, it sounds so exciting like you're going to get a book deal, but if you're a first-time author and you've never written a book before, you're going to get almost no advance now because of the recession. The book company is going to take 90% of your profits, and you're going to kind of get tricked into thinking, well, they'll publicize my book, which they do for about a week, and then they let you go. And then they're like, bye, thanks for playing. But I I always encourage people to self-publish now because you can always sell it to a book company later. But if you self-publish, especially through Amazon, maybe I I think it's under a few thousand dollars. It's very cheap, and you're totally in control. So, you know, I think that's really the wave of the future, which is exciting for people who really want to get their book out. Well, we're excited that next Wednesday you're going to be meeting with a very successful Amazon author, self-published, Arianna Harris. I can't wait. Yeah, Convergence Catalyst, The Lost Soldiers, an incredible, you know, sci-fi story. And and I just recently learned, you know, there aren't a lot of sci-fi female authors. So this will be great for our audience to um, participate in a conversation with you and an author who has succeeded at doing what you just described as a self-publisher. I love it. I think it should be really inspiring. And I, I, one thing I encourage everybody to do today, go buy a notebook, a Mead notebook. You know, I know as a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, Bruce Springsteen keeps a dollar Mead notebook with him at all times. He talks about it a lot. Keep it on your bedstand. Keep it with you, and and don't ignore those little bursts of inspiration that could could change your life. Really. Thank you so much, Cindy. I think you, I heard you say it's a Mead M E A D notebook, Mead, but it could no, be Mead notebooks be that we use. A Mead, can, a Mead no, it's Mead. Those little cheapy notebooks that we used to buy when we were yeah. in school. Yeah, and, and I used to buy you know for a dollar <laughs> at Target. You know, right. I mean, you don't have to have a leather journal and we make it so fancy and you don't need all that stuff. Just buy a cheap notebook, keep it on you, and who knows, write down your ideas. And and I always say, too, don't show them to people right away. You don't really want to get discouraged. Right. Just write them down and see where they're going to go. Right. And, and it doesn't have to be perfect. You're wonderful, Cindy. What, what's Cindy? Oh, you are. I love being on your show. Thank you so much, Cindy. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you. You too, time. and happy happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> you With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.